Ladies and gentlemen, this is The Forward Curve. Hello and welcome to The Forward Curve, the weekly podcast covering the commodity markets and the global economy, brought to you by Gold Street Advisors, the independent research and advisory firm. In this episode, we'll be discussing this year's LME Week, an annual event hosted by the world's premier industrial metals market, the London Metal Exchange. I'm Christian Klavodecher, and joining me will be our chief analyst, Robin Barr. If you haven't already, we encourage you to subscribe to The Forward Curve, and be sure to check out our website, www.goldstreetadvisors.com, for information on what Gold Street Advisors can do for you and your company. So Robin, it's that time of year again. What have you got for us? Thanks, Christian. Um, October in London means only one thing, I think, to a lot of people. No, not Halloween, LME Week. What's that? Well, LME uh, stands for the London Metal Exchange, the place where most of the world's non-ferrous or base metals are bought, sold and priced. So if you want to take the temperature of the global economy this week, try central London. Thousands of miners, traders, consumers and producers will be in town for LME Week, the largest annual gathering of the metals industry and an unrivaled barometer of business confidence. Why? Well, industrial metals such as copper, aluminium, lead and so on are used widely in manufacturing and can offer insights unmatched by other commodities or indicators. After all, Copper is widely known as Dr. Copper for its ability to predict turning points in the global economy. The annual enemy week gathering has long been an eagerly anticipated event in the metals calendar, an occasion to talk business, prices and more. Representatives from the entire supply chain meet to discuss current trends in metal markets, what to expect for the year ahead, also to network with industry peers and colleagues, negotiate contracts and set premiums. However, due to the pandemic, there will not be 10,000 people meeting in London. Instead, the LME, together with uh, many of its members and industry stakeholders, will be hosting virtual events during the week. However, what will be missed are the many conversations around coffee and drinks, outside the seminars and presentations, and in the corridors post the annual dinner and long into the night, early morning, at clubs and bars. These can all make a discernible change to market sentiment. And sometimes by the end of the week, the market is more optimistic or even pessimistic and has changed its outlook going forward. I, for one, and maybe Christian as well, will miss the many chats and discussions about the markets, but also importantly, the LME annual dinner held at the Grosvenor House Hotel in Park Lane on the Tuesday evening. It will be the first time since the Second World War that the exchange's formal annual dinner, which is Europe's biggest black tie event, does not take place. If truth be told, I will also dearly miss the after-dinner parties held at swanky nightclubs. Yeah, I, I definitely share that with you, my friend. Uh, you know, being like you, an LME Week veteran, it's it's hard to imagine what that week would be like without all that. So, uh, but more basically, you know, I'm curious to know how this is all going to work. Well, the, despite the cancellation of many face-to-face -face events in London, it's expected that these meetings will still take place, but virtually. So Zoom, webinars, one-on-ones. 
And the main focus of the delegates will be the same as in any year. We try to get a sense of demand trends. You know, we know that China is going to do what it's going to do, but there are other issues as well outside of China. The rest of the world, that's got the problem at the moment. It's not growing. In fact, economies are stagnating. So that's going to be a big talking point, I'm sure, at this year's event. No, absolutely. Right. With China, all that infrastructure spending, and they're really pushing it hard and constantly at the moment. But outside of that, you know, what can we expect to hear this year uh, at the seminars? It's going to be a busy week for sure. The exchange and, and others have been coming up with a lot of ideas and plans. For example, the floor of the exchange known as the ring because it is circular in shape. That's been closed since lockdown began in uh, the UK in the middle of March. So the cash settlement prices, end of day prices, they've been shown on screens, discovered on, on the screen or on the telephone market. And it's interesting, not a single client has expressed any scepticism uh, or doubt about the pricing, given the volatility that we're still seeing of market prices and given the change in methodology. So the future of the ring, and we talk about this every year, you know, is it going to close? The last remaining physical floor in Europe and one of the, the few in the world. Also, the LME's warrant depository. Warrants are basically bearer documents, pieces of paper that are shuffled around in London when you exchange metal. A very old-fashioned way of doing business, a lot of scope for, um, for fraud and for, uh, for doing naughty things. So the LMEs decided it will have a fully electronic depository early next year. And this seems to have had huge support from the market. Amongst other things, and you know, we can uh, talk for uh, at least another hour what other things are planned, but a lithium contract that's going to be launched possibly early next year. And I suppose that's in response to the use of lithium batteries, but can you tell us a bit more about that market? Lithium, it's produced either from hard rocks in countries like Australia, the US, or in terms of brine or salt. So the think of the salt flats in, uh, in Chile and in other parts of South America, you evaporate and you basically get left with lithium rich salt. So you've got quite a widespread focus in terms of production. On the demand side, it's used in psychiatric disorders, bipolar disorders. You would use uh, lithium salts to, uh, to help. It's used in glass making, aluminium production, uh, lithium chemicals have a wide variety of uses. And the big growing area that we're all hearing about is batteries to power the electric vehicles that we're all going to be buying over the next 10, 15, 20 years. That's a focus, as is cobalt and nickel. The LME is going to be looking at more cash settled contracts, which are easier to launch because they're not physically delivered. Therefore, unlike copper or aluminium, where you can physically settle these contracts by um, taking delivery of metal or making delivery into enemy warehouses of metal. These are just cash settles. They follow an index or they follow the cash prices, the cash closes at the end of the day. So that will be um, something to watch for. Uh, a new trading platform because the existing electronic trading platform 
pretty old now, 10, 15 years old. So it needs upgrading, moving with the times. Also looking to tap the Chinese potential. So maybe more cooperation with the major Chinese exchanges to have access to the rapidly expanding commodity markets um, over there. That's interesting because, you know, the Chinese, of course, have been a huge player uh, in the metal markets for a couple of decades now, and they've been a huge presence in the LME. But are there actual discussions about, say, for instance, the London Metal Exchange partnering up with local Chinese exchanges? Will non-Chinese participants be able to trade on those exchanges, possibly? Interesting question, because the LME and the Shanghai Futures Exchange, which also trades copper, aluminium, and the other metals, they have signed an MOU several years ago, which seeks to basically do more cooperation, launch initiatives of mutual benefit. So I think on paper, yes, they they obviously want to cooperate, but I think practically they're in competition. You know, the Shanghai Futures Exchange launched an international copper contract this week, in fact, which is seeking to attract more international business. And I suspect to draw interest away from the LME in London, but also COMEX in New York. So that's showing that Sheffy is actually competing with the LME. So I think it's only theoretical in terms of cooperation. If truth be told, China is a vastly growing market and it probably wants its own domestic exchanges to benefit. Why should it benefit rival international exchanges? That would be I think, uh, the sort of common view uh, expressed by many. Other initiatives would be things like responsible sourcing. So this would apply to things like nickel, cobalt, particularly with environmental social governance issues. Do we want our nickel produced in an environmentally friendly way? We know cobalt mostly comes from the Congo. Do we want it produced by child labour? So it's those issues which are very important. It ties in with sustainability plans. You know, the exchange wants to launch new contracts to support recycling, the scrap side, uh, and electric vehicle industries, uh, as we've heard about. Also wants to introduce what's called LME Passport, a digital register to enable a voluntary market-wide sustainable aluminum labelling programme. And that might include green or low-carbon material as well. So it's it's all these initiatives to basically move forward in a very ESG way. Spot trading platforms for price discovery for the trading of low carbon aluminum would be one of those initiatives. A new type of clearing system where in a lot of financial markets, VAR or value at risk is used for closing, settling contracts. The LME fairly unique in as yet, it's not using VAR. So again, it's moving with the times, adopting a VAR methodology. More maybe transparency as well in those markets where there isn't so much transparency. For example, a lot of deals are done on the telephone still, which might seem fairly antiquated. And new regulations require that more transparency, particularly for those opaque parts of the trading day, uh, should be done. And finally, warehouse reforms. We've heard about the queues again in the aluminum market, which appear to be making a comeback. And uh, 
those reforms are seeking to make the warehousing system as efficient as is possible and isn't open to being gamed by uh, certain players. Understood. Yeah, gosh, it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot to take on. They're all very interesting for sure. Focusing back on the markets themselves for a moment, what's the general view uh, among market participants for price movements going into LME week? Well, 2020 you know, hasn't really played out the way many or any of us thought it would. You know, who would have thought a global pandemic and the deepest recession since the Second World War would be impacting on both the global economy? and on the metal markets, you know, couple that with the onward march of protectionist agendas and oil price crash, as we saw in the earlier part of this year with negative oil prices, the rise of ESG, as we've mentioned, and carbon consciousness, you know, has kept commodity decision makers on their toes. Um, So much for perfect vision. Against this backdrop, you know, one would have to be forgiven for assuming the outlook for my commodities is bleak. Demand has dipped, supply has faltered, and investment put on ice. But despite this, after considerable initial price declines, prices have now returned to pre-coronavirus levels, surpassing them in several instances for copper, for nickel, for example. However, with the US elections, uncertain outcomes from government stimulus packages, and the specter of a resurgent coronavirus during the Northern Hemisphere's winter, there is still much to be wary of. Producers, consumers, investors, these guys are all searching to understand the speed, scale, durability of the recovery. Yes, prices have recovered, but is that it? Or do we have further upside to come? Hmm, right. So right, does this price rally augur well for the industry? Uh, or is it ultimately incentivizing decisions that will result in a lost decade of tepid growth and poor returns? I think we're just going to have to wait and see uh, to the surprise of no one. You know, in last year's uh, metal seminar, a survey was done of the 700 delegates there. Gold was selected as one of the two metals with the most upside potential going into 2020. And that garnered 27% of the votes. Uh, And the other one was nickel perhaps not surprising, you know, which is used to create lithium-ion batteries for electric vehicles. Nickel is benefiting from concerns about tight supply. Uh, you know, where are we going to get the nickel when we're all driving electric vehicles and we all need batteries in 5, 10, 15, 20 years' time? For its part, copper as well is experiencing a rough time because of the trade war. That came in third place last year with 23%. So global trade tensions are hitting metals harder than expected. Uh, And in next week's podcast, we'll have a post-mortem on this week's LME week and the main conclusions that have emerged. So wait until next week, perhaps. That sounds fantastic, Robin. Thank you. I suppose for those who inhabit the manufacturing, mining, and investment worlds, it's nice to know that in addition to the inevitability of death and taxes, we'll also always have the annual London Metal Exchange Week to look forward to. I'd like to thank Robin for joining me today. And of course, I want to thank you for joining us. Please be sure to subscribe to The Forward Curve on your favorite podcast platform. You can also visit our website, www.goldstreetadvisors.com, for more information about Gold Street Advisors and the services we provide. Join us next week for Robin's report on the events of LME Week and what the movers and shakers of the market were discussing. I'm Christian Clavidecher, and on behalf of the Gold Street Advisors team, I thank you for listening. And remember to 
always keep an eye and ear on the forward curve. Thank you.